I was going to preach a different message, but um, the Lord's been, ever since last week, I think it was, or a week before, the Lord's been having me on this theme of hope and preaching inspiration. A lot of what I feel led to preach on Sunday morning has to do with the culture of our house. So that doesn't mean I won't preach on Sundays, but typically... I kind of stand from a more teaching perspective because I'm trying to transform culture and we want to do church just a little bit differently. But these next couple Sundays, we're about to start a series in a few weeks called That's What He Said. Uh, And it's going to be on the word of God, both the prophetic word of God and the logos, the written word of God. And it's going to be powerful. But for the next few weeks, I just feel like I'm supposed to inspire folks, supposed to preach hope. I'm going to beat you up a little bit because you just know how I preach. But you know I'm going to cut you, but we're going to sew you up afterwards. Um, But because here's what I I don't want to see in 2021. I don't want to see you needing an injection of hope every single week. Not that that's a bad thing, a horrible thing, but we want to learn how to be able to uh, sustain ourselves in the presence and the spirit of the Lord, not to have to need an injection every Sunday, right? But for the next few Sundays, you are going to get a couple of injections. And if you're an anti-vaxxer, sucks for you because I'm going to give you a Jesus something vaccine. I was trying to make a joke, but I'm tired. We've been doing too many services. Turn with me to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28, I hope you enjoyed last week's message. Um, we worked so hard on that production, and I know it was only about an hour and 15 minutes. I know, love, you're watching, and you're like, that was the shortest service ever. I want a long service, because we grew up black and Pentecostal, so we don't believe in services shorter than three hours. Um, <laughs> but we wanted to gear something a little different for those who might not regularly go to church. And so, um, again, that's still up on YouTube. I encourage you to share it with some folks that need to know Jesus or just need encouragement. All right, Acts chapter 28. We're going to read a few verses, verses 1 through 9, and as of always, we're reading from the New King James Version. Um, and, and just in case, because I can't see comments, but in case uh, love is in the comments or Foley or somebody else is in the comments and they're making fun of my pants, can I just get a few people to stand up for me? Just have my back since I can't comment right now. All right, thank you. <laughs> Acts chapter 28, verses 1 through 9. Y'all can tell I'm kind of in a carnal mood today, but I'm going to get it together by the end of this preach. (laughs) Somebody shouted. All right, let me read this, verses 1 through 9. Now, when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks... And laid them on a fire. A viper came out because of the heat and fastened his hand, fastened to his hand. Verse 4. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. And they're talking about Paul the apostle. They're calling him a murderer, even though he's an apostle. He used to be a murderer, but we'll dive into that in a second. No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off this creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their opinion. And they said, okay, he must not be a murderer or a bad person. Look at verse 7. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and uh, dysentery. Paul went into into him and prayed, and he laid his hand on him and healed him. Verse 9. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came 
and were healed. For the next 30 minutes, I want to preach from the subject, I'm still here. I'm still here. No matter who you are, no matter what race or ethnicity you are, Jew or Gentile, black or white, Hispanic or Indian, no matter how tall or short, no matter how fat or how skinny you are, no matter how many prayers you prayed or how many syllables you can speak in tongues, no matter how long you've been a Christian, whether it's been 10 days or 10 years, none of us will escape the troubles of life. Every believer has to go through some tough, tough days. There are some things that God will allow us to go through that if Deacon Job was here, he would testify that God does sometimes allow you to go through tough situations. But the good news for the believer is that though our trials and tribulations may not feel good to us, they are good for us. See, it pays to be a believer. The, the, the goal is for us to suffer so that God can shape us and make us more like him. But there are two keys to suffering. I think a lot of us suffer the wrong way. God told us how to suffer. He said for those who would suffer with Christ, that's the first one, Many of us are suffering alone. It is illegal in the kingdom for you to suffer without Jesus. God's heart, God's goal for your life is not that you would suffer alone, but that you would suffer with him. He wants to walk with you and talk with you. He wants to tell you that he is your own. But in order to suffer, you've got to suffer with Christ. But not only do you have to suffer with Christ, there's a second step to suffering. The Bible requires that we suffer well. Like a good soldier is what the scripture says. See, many of us go through our suffering and we're complaining because we want to escape instead of stopping and say, God, what are you doing inside of me? God, with this boss that I can't stand, what are you trying to change inside of me? With this church member I want to cuss out, what are you trying to do in me with my lack of finances or my struggle in the marriage? Because every situation, every trial, every tribulation you go through, on the other side, not only is there victory, but you look more and more like him. See, a lot of people want to reign with Christ, but they don't want to suffer with Christ. But you cannot have a resurrection unless something dies. You, you got to go through tough times. This is why David said in the Psalms, it is good that I would be afflicted, that I might know the decrees of the Lord. What was David saying? David was saying, it's good that I go through some stuff, because not only do I get a revelation of who I am and God begins to shape me, but I get a revelation of who he is. That it was when I got sick that it no longer was a theological principle that God is a healer. No, no, no. It became a revelation to me because I went through it and God brought me out on the other side. But if you don't suffer well, God is like my fifth grade teacher who just didn't want me to fail. So she'd let me retake the test over and over and again until my grades picked up and God is a good teacher. And the thing about God is that when you fail a test, you better believe he's gonna let you retake it. <laughs> That's why some of you get new jobs and the same problems, new relationships and the same problems. You've been to five different churches and the one that you're at now is not your own, John chapter four. <laughs> See, it's important that we don't just suffer but we suffer well. We, we, we've got to suffer like a good soldier, someone who is devoted. I, I, there are seasons as a leader and as a pastor, I think a lot of times people think that we don't suffer, that we don't struggle, but weekly I've got to toil with situations and, and stuff that causes me to suffer. And the goal is not for me to walk around moping as if everything is wrong and, and the world is falling apart. Well, Pastor Dell, how do you maintain your joy? How do you walk well within a trial? You've got to keep your eyes locked on him. See, as long as I'm looking at him, I feel good. 
Now, I've been in a, a plane that was almost about to crash. Like we, we did, like our plane literally, I was flying to, to Louisiana to minister, and, and the plane literally flipped on its side. We freaked out. Now, I'm scared of heights. I don't like flying. I, gravity is not my friend. Um, but one of the things that I learned, because early on when I was flying, I had to take a, they have like a class for people who are scared, and you take this class, and really people who are scared of flying, they're more so scared of not being in control. And if you know me, I am a control freak. And so I, as I was beginning to say, I was taking these classes, and one of the things that the teacher said to me, she said just off the book, she said, you don't ever have to worry until you look at the stewards and the captains, and if they look worried, then you can be worried. And I realized in that plane ride that we were in trouble because when we flipped to the side and then we did a nosedive for about 10 seconds, I was looking at the stewards and everybody was scared. <laughs> so I was like, we, here we go. It's like, it's like, I thought we were gone because I was looking at the stewards and they looked scared, so I was scared. The thing about God is that he has no contender, that he went to death to show you that even the worst thing that life could offer you won't ever fail you, it won't, or it won't overcome you because he's overcome death, hell, and the grave. And as long as I'm in the trial and I'm suffering well and I have my joy, I can maintain it because I'm looking at the captain of my ship. And if Jesus ain't nervous, guess what? I might be a little shaken, but I feel more stirred than shaken. Trials don't shake me, they stir me. With that said, we come to this story in Acts chapter 28, and to give you some background, Paul is on his way to court because he's been arrested for preaching the gospel. Now, mind you, Paul has not done anything wrong. He hasn't murdered anybody. He hasn't broken any laws. He simply preached the gospel. And I want to warn some people that the reason that you might be going through the same thing that you're going through right now, it doesn't have to do with you being a bad person or being poor, but it has to do, sometimes you can do the right thing and still get a bad result. What, what do I mean? Uh, this starts all the way in Acts, the 16th chapter, when Paul is taking his nephew, si not his nephew, I, I call him nephew, but Paul's taking his assistant, Silas, and they're going on one of their first mission trips, and there's this demon girl who's following them, and she's speaking truth. And so she's saying, you know, this is Paul and Silas who preach the gospel, but she's full of demons. And about a verse later, Paul gets annoyed, turns around, casts out the demon from the girl, and then moves on. Now, let me just give you for this for free. This is a parenthetical prophetic commercial. The reason he had to cast the demon out of the girl, even though she was speaking truth, is because in the kingdom, you can do the right thing with the wrong spirit, and it's still the wrong thing. Okay, let me try that again because I think I said that too fast for you. So let me go one more time. In the kingdom, you can do the right thing with the wrong spirit and it's still the wrong thing. So yes, you're a great worship leader, but do you have pride and ego in your heart? Yes, you're a great preacher, but is it all about you? Because God's not just looking at the external appearances of your Christianity, he's looking at the heart and the soul of who you are. Nonetheless, Paul cast out the demon from that girl doing God's work and God does not shield him from suffering. I want to I remove the lie that you're suffering because you don't have faith. You're suffering because you're doing wrong with God. But as a matter of fact, if you're suffering, it's because the devil and God has had a corporate business meeting in heaven, and they've talked about whether you can handle, uh, stand up to the test that the enemy will throw your way, and God decided that you're strong enough for what you're going through. I need you to hear that, that you're not going through what you're going through just because you're a bad person or because you missed a few tithing Sundays or you missed a few days in prayer. No, no, you've got to know that you're going through because God trusts you with trials. See, there are some folks who never go through because why would the devil ever have to attack anybody who's on his team already? 
See, for those of us who are walking through tough situations, it's because God knows that he can trust us with trials. I need somebody in the chat just to put that right there. He can trust me with trials. I can go through because I know at the end of the day, according to Psalms, that I don't have to despair. I don't have to stay in this sadness. All I have to do is look at the Lord in the land of the living. So we come to Acts chapter 28, and we have to back up all the way to Acts 16 and chapter 21 through 27 because it gives us the background that Paul has been sharing his testimony and now the government has called him to have a court case because they want to arrest him. Now mind you, this is Apostle Paul. He's written two thirds of the New Testament and the majority of his writings were even written while he was in prison. You going through is not an excuse for you not to do ministry. I feel like preaching to somebody real good. Because as soon as we start going through, the first thing we want to do is quit on God, have a sabbatical, we just need a break. But we don't call off on our jobs. It's real quiet. Um, we, we still do our regular life, and sometimes when we go through, the first thing we're willing to give up is our ministry, the thing that we're doing for the Lord. And Paul, with his life, lets us know that you can be in prison, you can be locked up, you can be suffering and still minister. See, this is why you've got to be strong in your spirit and stay with the Lord and walk with him because he'll give you the strength not just to survive because God didn't call you to survive. His word says that you would be more than a conqueror. See, some of us are gonna make it to heaven with our, our, our armor battered and we're gonna barely make it crawling in, but that's not what Jesus died for. Jesus died for you not just to conquer. He said, I want you to be more than a conqueror. So Paul is still ministering in the midst of his pain. He's still preaching the gospel in the midst of him being wrongly accused. And then we get to Acts chapter 28, where Paul, who is no novice to trials, he's not an amateur to suffering. This is not Paul's first time being in the middle of a bad situation. There's been times already where he's been locked in jail. There were times already where he was beaten halfway through his life. So Paul is no novice when it comes to jail. So as he's on this boat in Acts chapter 28, he's heading to an island and he's getting ready to go, and it would be modern day Italy, but he's getting ready to go to the capital so that he can have his court case heard. But in getting there, there's a shipwreck and a storm breaks out. If it's not bad enough that he's having to travel miles away for a court case he doesn't deserve, he's been beaten up, he's been jailed, and all he, all he wants is just to be on a ship that's not the Titanic. That's his only, like, can I just, have you ever felt like that? Maybe you can't say it, but I'm your pastor. I'm going to admit it. I've had some days where I looked up to God and said, really? <laughs> like, we, we couldn't have just held this storm back. 2020 wasn't bad enough with the pandemic. Now you got to touch my finances. Now, now, you, now I lose my job. Now I go through this. Have you ever had one of those moments where you're just like, God, I mean, I'm going to be faithful. I'm not even going to complain, but I'm just saying, can I get a break? I don't know if anybody's felt like that in 2020 where you just needed a breather. And I can imagine that Paul feels that way in Acts chapter 28 because all of a sudden a storm breaks out. Everybody freaks out except for one guy, Apostle Paul. Now I know he's a man of faith, but he's also a flesh man. He's a human man. So there's got to be some fear or something in there. But when I read the text in Acts chapter 28 and I read the text in Acts chapter 27, when the storm breaks out, Paul's not the one who's nervous. It's everybody else who's on the ship that's nervous. 
And Paul speaks up and calms everyone on the ship because he had had a vision or dream the night before. An angel had come to him to warn him of what would happen and that everything would be all right. And because he had that word, he was able to calm the fears and the anxieties of the same people who were going through the same thing. And I want to talk to all of the fear mongers in the room this morning. When people are fearful and anxiety, we feed into it. Paul doesn't feed into their anxiety. Now, now, I I say this because even as we talk about COVID and these different things that are happening in our culture, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be an urgency for health. There shouldn't be something that we're concerned about. But for the believer, there's only one fear that's legal, and it's the fear of the Lord. And when I have the fear of the Lord, a revelation of rightly who God is, I begin to fear everything else much less. Because in the light of who Jesus is, in the light of who God is, every other thing never stands against him. So Paul calms the anxiety. He speaks into the fears of those who are on the same boat with him. And the Bible tells us that he begins to share that everything's gonna be all right. But he only knew that everything was gonna be all right because he was in the middle of a trial with a prophetic word. Now this is the part where I need to preach just a little bit because Jesus even warns us. He said there's gonna come a temptation for you to live based off of the carnal realities of life. But I need you to know that you don't just live or survive on bread alone. It's not just the, the your, your job is not your provider. Your, 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 your relationship shouldn't be your source of satisfaction. Jesus is saying I don't want you to feed yourself with the carnal realities of this world. What I want to feed your soul is me. I am the bread of life and no man can live without the bread of life. But here's what Jesus is letting us know in that temptation where he's with the enemy in the, in the, the desert place. He, he lets us know that it is necessary for us to know the word of God. So when we're tempted, when we're in a trial, we're not quoting our own inspirational quotes from Instagram. We're not retweeting something to try to inspire us. But the word of God sits heavily in our heart. And we've got a word for the season that we're in. Paul is not afraid because he's got a word. And I need to tell somebody, what you're going through, I don't know when it's gonna end, I don't know how the situation's gonna work out, but this one thing I do know is that you need to stop and say, God, speak to me in the middle of this storm. What I'm going through, I don't, I don't need a word just from Pastor Dale, God bless him, he's good looking, he's a sweet guy, he can preach, you see how, what I did there. Um, but I don't just need a word from him, I need a word from you. I need you to speak to me so that I can live and not just survive, but I wanna thrive. Peter even understood this principle because Jesus was saying some weird stuff. He had a huge following, his blogs was doing great, everybody was retweeting him until Jesus said, if you wanna follow me, eat me. <laughs> And everybody, the Bible says, and everyone got up and left. And Jesus is such a boss that he's not concerned about people not following him. This generation, they can't handle Jesus' ministry. You get three unfollows and your whole life falls apart. I'm suffering. That's not suffering. That's your ego dying. Where did that word come from? That was a good one, though, wherever it came from. I've realized that without a word from the Lord, it's hard for me to survive the trials of life. Psalms, I think it's 119, it says, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's something even supernatural about putting the word of God inside of you that you begin to desire sin much less. And many of us are going through trials and the reason that we're not staying encouraged is because we read our Bible. We listen to sermons, but we haven't heard God speak. But I need you to be like Peter. I haven't forgotten the story because Peter is sitting next to Jesus and Jesus is such a boss because he's just told everybody, if you want to follow me, we're going to be kind of like a Nicole. 
You're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, we know how to interpret that because we've got the Bible, but they didn't know that he was talking spiritually. They thought he was talking literally, and so they got, I knew this Jesus was off. I told my mama that this church was a cult, sitting up here with his long hair, healing people and delivering folks, talking about we got to eat him and drink him. Uh-uh, not this house. You know, especially if it was black folks, it's like, boo-boo, you know. And Jesus is such a boss because he's not concerned about the people who leave. You know what he does, Chow? He just looks over at Peter and goes, you gonna leave me too? <laughs> Come on, be nice to the staff, Jesus. Everybody else has left you. You only got 12 staff members and one of them doesn't even like you. The least you could do is just be nice and you, you don't push him away. The thing I, I've realized about God is that he will offend you into a blessing. Some of y'all don't like that, but Jesus is offensive. Yeah, Pastor Jesus with blonde hair, blue eyes, the one with the six pack that looks like a metrosexual that we paint, that pretty little Jesus, he actually will offend you to get to your blessing. There's a woman who has a child who's sick and she walks up to Jesus and says, can you heal my child? And Jesus says, no, healing's not for dogs like you. Wait a minute, Pastor Jesus, that's so unnecessary. You could have said that differently. That could have been done a different way. And I like what this woman does. Instead of getting offended at Jesus, she's too desperate to allow that offense to get to her. She's like, okay, if you wanna call me a dog, I'll be a dog. Even dogs need crumbs from the master's table. I've been too tired to do it this year, but I'm gonna try to get around to it before the end of the year. I love baking and cooking for our family. And so I'm gonna bake this pound cake that my grandmother's recipe is amazing. The thing about a pound cake is when you take it out, there's all these lovely pieces on the pan. Whew, glory Jesus. And my favorite thing to do, because we were never allowed to cut the cake before dinner, but I would go baby grab that pan and I'd sneak a little piece and start eating off of it because don't nobody want the little crumbs. And here's what I found out, that the same ingredients that are in the cake are also in the crumbs. Okay, you didn't, you missed it. You didn't get it. So this woman says to Jesus, I know you're trying to offend me, but you don't have to bless me like you're gonna bless the children of Israel. If you wanna bless me to a lesser degree, if you wanna bless me, you don't have to do it on Sunday. You ain't gotta do it at the altar. Don't give me a title. All I need you to do is bless me. So if you're gonna call me a dog, bless me like a dog then. As long as you bless me, God, I'll be satisfied. And this woman did not allow offense to stop her from receiving the blessing from God. And here Peter is, could be offended at the response that Jesus gives him. Are you going to leave me too like everybody else? Like if it was the modern day Christian and, and people that we've, it's, just going to talk to my therapist. I just, Jesus is too much for me right now. But that's not what Peter says. What does he say? He, he looks at him and says, Jesus, I don't understand what you're saying. But this one thing I do know, that when you speak, life awakens inside of me. Here's what Peter was saying. There are some things that I don't understand when you're saying, but I do know when you speak, life happens inside of me. See, the thing about God and his word is that sometimes he'll speak to you things that don't even make sense in the season. God's talking to you about starting a business. You can't even spell capital, let alone know what it is. And it doesn't make sense. And here's what I've realized, that in the middle of trials, there are some things that God will speak to me. And I don't fully understand, but it gives me life. See, that's why I want a prophetic culture, because I want to make sure that if you're going through something, somebody can pick it up in the spirit, look at you and give you a word from the Lord. And it may not make full sense in that moment, but something shifts in your life and in your spirit. Peter said, I don't understand you, but I do feel you when you speak. I've got about 10 more minutes. Let me kind of push this forward. Long story short, Paul encourages the people and the ship breaks up. And when the ship breaks up, the Bible says that Paul grabs a piece of the ship and he starts going. Now, before I touch that really quick, the thing I wanna tell you 
is that you'll never be able to survive a storm without a word from God because it's the word from God that tells us who we are. And many of you are struggling beneath your authority because you don't know who you are. See, you've got to get to a place where you get into the Word because the Word is not just an autobiography for the Lord. It's also your biography. It tells you who you are. It tells you that you're the head and not the tail. I know the doctor said that you're sick, but the Bible says that healing is the children's bread. I I know your children are bound, but the Bible says that he doesn't save just one. He saves an entire household. You got to start knowing the Word so you can start walking around and start declaring. When the enemy gives you a word, you give him a better word, the Word of God. You start, and some of you come and say, I just, nobody's ever prophesied over me and nobody's ever give me a prophetic word, and I just want to prophecy. You got a whole Bible you can read. It's in 80 languages. Go ahead, open it up. Get yourself a word. Take one of those and claim it for yourself. You've got to start speaking the word over yourself, and when you speak the word over yourself, the only reason you know who you are, watch this, is because you know whose you are. You, you know who's not freaking out when they get a busted tire on the side of the road? Bill Gates' son. He's not sitting there going, I just don't know what's going to happen. I don't know why I keep doing the list, but it feels right. God, I, I just don't know what's going to happen. I just, just my tires flat. But isn't that what we look like in the kingdom? Our God is richer than Bill Gates. He's more powerful than Trump. He's got global influence. And when we start going through things, because we haven't learned how to trust him. We haven't learned how to trust him when we can't trace him. And you've got to learn how to trust him even when you don't know what's going on. I don't know why God didn't stop the shipwreck. All I do know is that he didn't stop it. But Paul, because of his authority and he knew who he was and he was used to suffering with Jesus and suffering well, he's now on the ship and it falls to pieces, but he makes it to the island of Malta. And I'm gonna call the worship team up in just one minute, but let me preach this real good. Because he makes it to the island of Malta, not in a whole ship. He makes it, I feel real preachy. Have you ever made it on broken pieces? (laughs) Has God ever caused you to do more with less? 2020, some of you know what I'm talking about because you, like Paul, have been holding on to the broken piece of that ship that you used to be on. But nonetheless, I don't care how you get there, hold on to broken pieces. I'm telling you, in this season, and I'm going to preach about this on our New Year's Eve service in a couple of days, but I want to encourage somebody and tell you that God's about to allow you to do more with less. You're going to make it on broken pieces, broken marriage, and God's still going to use you. You've got a broken family, and God's still going to use you. You've got a broken heart, and he's still going to use you. The God I serve, like what he did with Paul, will do the same with you. He'll allow you to make it on broken pieces, but the only thing you've got to do is hold on. They're going to talk about you, but hold on. They're going to make fun of you, but but hold on, because the thing I love about Paul is that though he's gone through everything that he's gone through, he makes it to the Malta and he's able, the title of my sermon, he's able to say, I'm still here. (laughs) 2020 made me lose my mind, but I'm still here. (laughs) Almost lost my kids, but I'm still here. Lost my job, but I'm still here. Had my heart broken, but I'm still here. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I tried to start the company, but it failed, but I'm still here. I I tried to get married and I got a divorce, but at least I'm still here. I'm barely here and I'm crying and I'm bleeding and leading at the same time. But one thing I do know, I can pinch myself because everything that the devil tried didn't work. And so you're sitting here complaining about your broken pieces and you don't realize that it's your broken pieces that God wants to use to bring you to where you're supposed to be. Perfect timing for dramatic effect. 
he's been shipwrecked. Andrew, he's gone through hell. And at no point does he complain because Paul knows how to suffer well. At no point does he look at his situation and try to blame everybody else. Oh, this is Silas, his fault. He's not looking for blame, he's just looking for Jesus. Paul, you would think the story is done here, but he finally makes it to the island of Malta and all the little deacons at the Malta Church of God in Christ, Assemblies of God, Baptist, Ebenezer, Missionary Church, they all look at Paul and they go, man, he's been through hell. <laughs> he must be a demon or a murderer. It's funny how people will have an opinion of you based on what they see on the outside, but because they don't have discernment or any kind of emotional intelligence, they'll judge your faith and your walk with God on your circumstances. These folks look at him and go, Paul must be wrong with God because look at what he's been through. What I'm going through is not a sign that I'm far from God. It's actually a sign that I'm his kid. See, the Bible says he chastises not the ones he hates, <laughs> not your enemies. He said, I chastise the ones I love. Did you know that God loves you enough to chastise you? He, he loves you enough to hold that ministry opportunity back from you because your ego's too big, you're not ready yet. You, you, you know, he does love you too much to let you stay in that relationship, so he had to allow you to break up. You, you do know he loves you too much to let you stay broken. He loves you too much to let you stay weak. He says, I'm going to chastise the ones I love. Well, he gets there, and they start calling him a murderer. Snake jumps out of the fire because snakes can't survive fire. That's why I keep telling our worship team, make sure we have fire in our worship because snakes can't just, they can't survive in fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's why I say we got to pray more. I tell our leadership from the sound guy to our executive director, we got to pray more because no matter what we're doing, we don't want snakes in the fire and snakes never can survive fire. And some of you need to turn up the heat in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to turn up your prayer life, turn up your worship life. Some of you show up to church online late because you want to miss worship, but that's why there's so many snakes in your garden. Because snakes live, they can't live in fire. So some of you need a burning to even bring out the snakes in your life. Yeah, let me not hang there, because I'll make you lose your whole friends list. The snake bites them. And when the snake bites them, it's a poisonous snake. Paul He does this weird thing. He doesn't go into a three-day prayer meeting, Sarah. He doesn't go into a fasting and consecration moment, Levente. He doesn't do anything special. Child, this is all Paul does when the snake bites him. Shakes it off. Pastor Dell, what's the point of this message? There's a lot of points, because I preach like a burrito. It's a mess, and then I wrap it all up at the end. But if you don't catch nothing, I need you to catch this. Everything that bit you in 2020, Let's not make a big deal out of it anymore. Let's do what Paul did. Here's your spiritual warfare for 2021. Shake it off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No, no, let it go. I know you're mad. I know you're angry. I know you're suffering, but can we just shake it off? I, I know it's a big deal and I'm not trying to dismiss it. And if you need to go to therapy, please call me. I'll give you an endorsement to one. But, but, but can we just learn that even though the snake bites, all we have to do is just learn how to, do you understand that, that ignoring that term ignoring, that's like the 10th spiritual gift. See, the enemy comes, I don't believe 2020 came to, 
dishearten us. I think it came to distract us. We were supposed to start this church. Bring it down a little bit for me, guys. We were supposed to start this church in 2020, and I will never get tired of saying this. And people ask me, all my church planning friends, they all push their date back to 2021 and all that kind of stuff. And they say, well, are you gonna, you know, you don't have the funding that you were promised. You don't have the people that you thought you would have. Are you gonna start? And my thing is, I know we're going through hell right now, but I'm not gonna make a big deal out of the snake's bite. I'm gonna just shake it off. And I'm gonna do what God called me to do. Some of you need to, just even right now, prophetically, just shake it off. The drama, shake it off. The insecurity, let's shake it off. The, the fighting that we've had with each other this year. This is the last Sunday of the month, or of the year. Can we just shake it all off? And I'm not saying that it's not important and I'm not dismissing it, but some of you are gonna miss ministry opportunities because you're more focused on the snake than you are the people around you. Why is that important? Three minutes left. When he sh throws off the snake, the same people who thought he was a demon and a murderer turned around and changed their opinion. Because you do realize that how you suffer is a testament to the God you serve. See, their opinions change because they saw the faithfulness of Paul, that Paul didn't throw in the towel, he didn't give up, he didn't go to crying, and they saw that even though the snake bit him, it didn't affect him. There is a place in God under his wings that you can hide where the enemy can't find you. That's why I'm so desperate to seek him every day. I can't walk out the house without spending, him, spending time with him because I, I've got safety under his wings. And the testament of Paul's survival is a testament to those around him that you can go through a shipwreck, you can get through a court case, you can even get bit by a snake and still be here. They changed their opinion of him. And Paul hangs out with this guy named Publius. He's one of the richest guys on the island. He's one of the bosses of the island. He is the boss of the island. But the Bible says that he has this dad who's in his house who's sick and probably getting ready to die because of dysentery. I don't know what that is, but I'll ask the doctors in our churches after. But I know it's bad because this guy's getting ready to die. And the Bible says that Paul went into him. And what they're saying is that Paul, and Paul would do this often, he would lay his body on the body of the sick person. He would lay his head over. And I think they got this from Jesus when Jesus went to Jairus's house and something similar happened. And, and here's the prophetic picture for me, that this guy is dying of dysentery. And Paul has gone through so much suffering and he's not focused on his suffering. All he's worried about is can I take what's on me and give it to somebody else? That's why you're going through what you're going through. It ain't about you. God knows you can handle it but he knows there's some Publiuses in your house. Because you do know Publius goes to church. You, you, you do know that Publius uh, is a PK. Uh, Publius is a deacon in the house. And sometimes Publius has his issues and he needs a word, he needs a miracle. And if we're not there to give it to him, you think the story stops there, but here's the end of the story. Publius' father gets healed. And if you look up in church history, one of the first liturgical churches that was planted in Malta, Publius became the bishop of that area for the church of Jesus Christ. Paul, remember I told you about the story in Acts chapter 16 where he cast out the demon from the girl? Well, immediately the Bible says around verse 20, 21, somewhere around there, that they put him in prison 
And you know the story in Acts chapter 16, verse 21, 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas were singing and praising God, and immediately their chains broke and the doors opened. And here's the deal, and I'm, and I'm, I'm landing this plane right here. When God opened up the doors for Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, everybody left and the jailer in that house, because they were in Philippi, the jailer was getting ready to kill himself. And he says, I've got to kill myself because I've lost all the prisoners. And Paul and Silas, they speak up and they go, don't kill yourself because we're still here. You beat us, but we're still here. You put us in chains, but we're still here. You locked us under the jail and there's water everywhere, but we're still here. We ain't leaving you, jailer. You, you know why I can't cut off my haters? Because there's enough ministry in me to bless my enemies. Woo! Why is that story so important to me in Acts chapter 16? Because you know that Paul and Silas stay there, but that changes my theology, Andrew, because my whole life I've been preaching, praise God, pray so that God can bring you out of your situation. But in Acts 16, Paul and Silas, when freedom is an opportunity, they never leave. And here's what I've realized, that a lot of times, God doesn't want to take you out of your situation. Watch this. He wants to come into your situation. See, that's why Paul and Silas couldn't leave, because they had praised God. And if there's anything, God has no need because he wouldn't be God. But if he had a need, it would be for worship. Worship attracts him. There's something about worship that when you start speaking his word, that the Bible lets us know that he even inhabited, he lived in the praises of Israel. God is attracted to praise, but praise doesn't always bring you out. But it will bring God in. The end of that story is that that jailer he gets baptized. And you remember all those letters that Paul was writing to the church of Philippi that we call the book of Philippians? You know who he was writing to? The jailer, his mother, and their family, if you look up church history, they're a part of the church planting team in the city of Philippi. You're not getting this. If Paul and Silas had not suffered well, if they had run and escaped early from the situation that God had them in, the jailer would have never gotten saved. And we may never have the book of Philippians that tells us how to give and to rejoice in the Lord and that we can do all things through Christ. This was written because Paul survived and thrived. We're going to sing one more song because I'm done. But all I want to tell the devil I'm still here. I don't have enough time to tell you my whole testimony. I don't have enough time to tell you all of the stories and the miracles that God showed up with Chow all over 2020 for me. I, I'm talking about the day before my rent is due and I have no idea how I'm gonna pay it and I've never been a day late on rent in my entire life, but the Lord told me not to raise any money so I just stood back and just said, Lord, okay, I'm gonna trust you. And a day before one of the months when I'm getting ready to pay my rent because my savings has emptied because of COVID and I can't travel and I can't earn finances, I can't raise money for the church because God told me not to do it because he is my provider. And I'm sitting there a day before and all of a sudden I get a call from somebody I haven't talked to in a long time, an intercessor, invites me to her backyard to talk and pray with her and she gives me an envelope. Now the thing about me, when you give me an envelope, because I'm not good, my face doesn't have an inside voice. So I can't hide my reaction. So I'll wait till I got home and I opened it up, child, and it was the exact amount of my rent. I'm realizing more and more as I suffer well 
and I endure like a good soldier, that my trust in God's sovereignty begins to increase. So even a day before rent's due, and I don't even know how I'm gonna pay for it, I'm satisfied in my soul because I've been through enough things to know that God's gonna come in and he's gonna do something great in this. That's the end of my message. But before we step into 2021, I want you to take inventory of what you've been through this year. I want you to take inventory of the hard times. Sometimes we like to ignore the ugly truth of our reality, but it's okay to admit the truth or, or the situation because there's a greater reality that's working behind the scenes. But as we sing this next song, would you take a moment and I want you to take inventory of the stuff that you've gone through. Because I think some of you have forgotten that God has set you free. That this year ain't been, it ain't been all bad. You've come out of some stuff. You got delivered from some stuff. Some of you found church again because of this season. Some of you found your prayer life again because of this season. For the next few moments, I want you to take inventory of what you've been through, the hard times, even in this room. Our worship team, I know you guys got to play and everything, but I mean this even for, for us as leaders. I want us to just take a moment and close our eyes if you're able to. Worship team, do what you got to do. But I want you to take, as we sing, I want you to take inventory of all the crappy things that you've gone through, all of the shipwrecks that have occurred this year, because it's been a tough one. And listen, I'm not going to judge your trial. You're not going to judge mine. I don't care how big it was, but I want you to take in inventory of everything that you've been through. Jesus, take inventory. Every sucky thing that happened this year, take inventory. That's all right. Some of you got tears welling up in your eyes because the pain, you're reimagining it. You're, it's coming back to you. It's okay. Let it happen. I promise you. It's all right. You're strong enough. You're built for this. Come on, mom. I know it's been hard keeping that job and, and schooling your kids. It's been a rough one. Just take inventory of the tough times this year. All right, now I know you got tears in your eyes and, and you're, you're thinking about what you've gone through, but look at me for a second. Everything you just thought about, you survived. Well, Pastor Don, I'm in the middle of something right now. And look at you, you're still surviving. You may not have come out the way you thought you did, but at least you're still here. With that said, we're going to sing a song of praise and worship to the Lord, but it's also a declaration of who we are in God. That, of who he's made us to be. And I want you to sing this out, declare it. Because I don't want to go into 2021 discouraged. I don't want to get another phone call of somebody who's on the edge of giving up. Not that I hate it, but I'm saying I want, I want us to suffer well and I want us to hold on to the broken pieces and I want us to survive the struggles and storms of life and be able to sustain ourselves in the Lord. So God, as we sing this last song, and we end the last service of the year. Please don't tune out, don't log off. I want you to stay until the very end. And I don't want you to check out. I want, even if you're watching this later, you're not watching it live, I want you to check in for just this moment. God, I thank you that this year has been a tough one, but we still survived it. We've survived snakes, shipwrecks, court appointments. We've survived it all this year. We lost a lot of stuff, but God, the thing we didn't lose was our walk with you. And so I pray as we make this declaration of praise to you, that you would not, we've taken inventory of the bad things. Now, God, we're gonna take inventory of who you are and who we are in you. So right now, in your living room, I know it's awkward and it's weird, but I'm gonna tell you, be bold, interrupt your neighbors. I know they're having breakfast and you don't wanna to be too loud. I, this one, you gotta be loud. I need you to raise your voice. 
I need you to give your God a praise and make a declaration of who he is. Come on, team, take us up. And I want to sing this out. Hang on that four for one second. Hang on that four. I want to sing this one more time. But as they're singing it, Levente, do something. We're going to do something a little special and chaotic. Give me a widescreen. Stay on that four. Stay strong on me. Give me a big widescreen. I want all you guys to come up. Chow, Sim, Sarah, all you guys, Drew. Now, we don't have our whole team here because, um, because of COVID. We even tightened how many people we're allowing in during the recording. Come all the way up on the stage. Um, and I wish we had the whole team. We've been missing Demetra and Reggie and... Jay Choi and a bunch of our folks. Levente, after you give me a wide screen, you jump on up here, brother. I need people to see we do have white people around our church because they don't believe me. I'm telling you, y'all, this last two weeks I've been fasting and praying. I'm getting ready to go into a fast to seek the Lord for the beginning of the year. And uh, do I need to stand back with everybody so I don't mess up stuff? You good? Okay. Um, and I'm telling you, I'm just, you're good. I've just had a renewed hope, a renewed vigor. Like I've never waned in what I know God's called us to do, but doing what we're doing, it's different. And so it's hard at times we are forerunning in some areas. There's not a lot of churches who are having extended worship or prophetic ministry. And so we know we're doing something different. What they don't know is that sometimes it gets hard. Uh, Most of our team is not paid. Most of our team is volunteer. 
we wouldn't be able to survive if we had to pay everybody. Um, but I think about Chow, who runs our audio, and we don't really have another sound guy, and he kills it every week. All the audio you stuff you hear, he's, he's recording it. Keep playing for me, don't, don't drop out. Why y'all keep dropping out on me? You know I like my momentum. <laughs> And then you've got Chris and Sohi, Demetra, and the rest of the team, Matt. Not only are they leading worship on Sunday, but Chris and Matt, Sohi's getting ready to jump on board with that. But Chris and Matt, they make sure that they're editing our vocals so that everything sounds good and everything's, you know, just great. Levente is our videographer, and man, he asks me a million questions and gives me anxiety sometimes. But this man kills it every week. All of our graphics, everything you see, it's because he's killing it. I'm looking at our drummers and our other guys, Sim, like all these guys, like I can go one by one. The reason I'm saying this is because this, we started a church, y'all. <laughs> I think sometimes we forget. We didn't start like a cute little meeting or a nonprofit. We started a church and already our church is growing. People are, are being built up in their faith. And I get a lot of interaction with you guys in our church, just cause I'm, I'm the pastor. You hit me up, you DM me, you tell me when a message blessed you, you tell me when it doesn't. <laughs> um, but these guys don't get a lot of encouragement from you guys just because we've not seen each other. We've got about 50 to 70 folks in our community and they don't really get to hear the encouragements. I tell them about how God's blessing. Would you do me a favor? And I wish they were all here and they're not. I know they're watching right now, but would you just, um, I, I, I know you don't wanna do this. It's gonna require you picking up your phone, logging into a YouTube or to a Facebook or whatever. Even if you're watching this after the live is done, you're watching it later. Can you just write a comment and let these guys know what, whether it's Chow or Levente or Ban, Andrew, if it wasn't for Andrew, Andrew's the real pastor of this church, right? He's, he's the one who keeps everybody liking me. <laughs> no, but with, even with Andrew, his, his, what he brings to the table, his skill set, he's killing it. And we're not even able to pay him full time right now because of COVID and still he's killing it. Let me, let me just say this. I don't mean to tell your business, but I'm gonna tell it because it encourages me. Um, when I hired and asked Andrew to come, he told me no at first. And then I said, pray. He prayed and then he said, yes, God, God made it happen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but one of the things I had planned, because I had raised a budget of about 250, 200,000, but because of COVID, we lost all of our financial commitments. Most of the churches that were going to plant or give us money are, are large churches, and they've lost 60% of their giving within the first month. So I completely understand how, why we got X'd out and all that kind of stuff. But one of the promises I made because I had raised the funds was that we were going to be able to at least fund him full time for about a year, year and a half. And um, this is his fiance. I almost picked the wrong one. This is his fiance, the more fashionable one. <laughs> um, and they're getting married next year. I'm excited to be at the wedding because the venue looks sexy and there's not a lot of people. So that makes me happy. Um, but one of the things because of our financial situation is one of the, the problems is we were talking and I was saying, bro, I'm so sorry, but I don't know if we're gonna keep, be able to pay you full time by January like we thought we were gonna pay. You know what his response was? Now I was nervous. I was thinking, okay, he's gonna move back to LA. He's gonna leave us. His thought, this was his thought. His response was, and I know he's embarrassed because he doesn't like attention like that, but you're gonna stand there and take it, all right? <laughs> but his response was, Come on, just get a part-time job. And I love that response because it let me know that he's not like Paul, gonna allow broken finances to be a detour as to what he's gonna do with God. Now I'm bragging on him, but I could go down the line and tell you the sacrifices that each and every person makes every week to make ministry happen. So all I'm asking you to do, this is just my heart, because they don't get enough appreciation. Would you just take some energy and just hook it up in the comments? Maybe even DM some of them. I'll post it on my Instagram and tag you guys 
Send him a cash app, give him some money, bless him. You know, Andrew Chow, he likes to eat. He, him, we like to cook and eat. Give him some money so he can make me paella. You know, bless these guys. They work so, I'm, I'm not playing, this boy can cook. But can you do me a favor? Even if you don't have money to give, I know you've given in the offering and trust me, those finances are going to help pay and bless these guys as well. But would you give words of affirmation? Send them a DM, tell Andrew, if you like one of his sermons, let him know. Sarah, these guys are behind the cameras helping out the band. Please do me this favor, right there in the chats, give them a big shout out, give them a big God bless you, all that stuff, applause emoji. But would you just hit them up as well? DM them, find their stuff and, and send them a message, right? If you don't, can't find it, actually just email Collide, info at thecollide.com. I love you, church. Let's end our last service good. Lift your hands, close your eyes before the Lord. Lord, I feel so refreshed, though I'm, I'm tired in my physical body. I am renewed with vision, with hope, with faith. God, and even us as leaders, though this doesn't represent our whole team, God, with uplifted hands, with our hands reaching out to you, God, this is our position of surrender. That as we step into this next season, 2021, Lord, we don't know what 2021 is gonna show up with, but this one thing we do know, that we're, we're committed to planting this house, to raising up people who love you, to building a place where worship is central, where your presence is everything. Lord, we are trying to build a presence-driven family. So God, with our hands lifted as leaders even, we commit again to this vision of planting this house. And we just say, no matter what 2021 brings, God, we're still gonna be here. We love you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Thank y'all, thank y'all, thank y'all. Well, yeah, y'all can go. We're just gonna close out. Can we sing one more fast song? Do we, do you actually know which song I not like? And I know I'm being all weird, huh? Oh, let me announce it. Can you prepare to sing the Yes, I Will song that you say? That song, that needs to be regular. I mean, I don't want to play it out, but that one, it just hits my heart. We're going to go out with one more song. Let me give you a few reminders. This, what, what day is the 31st? Thursday? Double check. Thursday? Okay. I, I trust that guy. <laughs> Um, this Thursday, <coughs> I want you to join us, 9.30 sharp. We're going to try to start right on time. But come 9.30 sharp, we're going to have a special uh, New Year's Eve service. We're going to have a lot of music, a lot of fun, some worship. I'm inviting Jeff Rostestill and some prophetic friends to come and share. I'm going to preach an encouraging word. We're going to shout it out on, uh, at midnight with praise and bring in the new year. You don't have anything else to do, or you shouldn't have anything else to do. You better not be having a New Year's Eve party. Your pastor's going to come and slap you. The nurses in the room are like, yeah, get them, pastor, get them, right? Like, don't be having a party. If you're gonna have a party, have a virtual one where you watch service and we worship together, which has been one of the cool things. I know Zach and the guys, they've been every Sunday in their backyard, they set up a projector, invite their friends, they social distance, and they watch the service every morning together, right? So have a watch party this Thursday, but I want you to come and receive. We're gonna prophesy, we're gonna minister. I've got Crystal Nay and some other friends. who We're just gonna be jamming. We are adding some folks to the band. It's gonna be heavy on the music side. To my black folks, we're bringing some gospel because I need a little flavor, I need a little seasoning and salt. <laughs> I love our worship dude. But we're gonna get a little black this week, all right? <laughs> you know your pastor's crazy. I love you. Let's sing this song one more time and let this be our declaration and our commitment in 2020 that we're gonna be devoted to the Lord. I love you, God bless you. If you haven't given, make sure you remember to give and let's bless the Lord. Invite somebody to church next week. I can't